Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. There are 34 distinct miracles recorded in the Gospels, but over the next seven weeks, we will explore and study the seven miracles that John's Gospel spotlights in our new series entitled The Grave Robber. God to do something in you. I believe that God wants to do something in you. He wants to do something in me today. But listen, if we don't expect him to do something, if we don't come in here saying, you know what, God, I'm open to whatever you want to do in me, then I'm going to go out on another limb and say, it's probably not going to happen. So you got to be open to what he wants to do in you today. I read a story recently about a man by the name of Dr. Richard Halverson, who used to be the Senate chaplain in Washington, D.C. And prior to serving in the Senate, Dr. Halverson pastored Fourth Presbyterian Church in Bethesda, Maryland. Pastored the church for some 23 years, and he did what pastors do. He, He married people, he did funerals as well, but he believed his most important function was pronouncing the benediction at the end of every service. And so every week, every week, it was the last thing that he said and the last thing that people heard for some 23 years. He would say this, you go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. And wherever you are, God has put you there. Dr. Halverson reminded his congregation of that truth week in and week out until his death in, on December 1st, 1995. And then he reminded them one more time. At the, concu- at the conclusion of his funeral service, someone at the soundboard hit play for the very last time. And Dr. Halverson gave the benediction at his own funeral via recording. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. And wherever you are... God has put you there. And I've come this morning on a Sunday morning here at the beginning of April to just go ahead and let somebody know today that God is ordering your footsteps. That he's setting things up in motion, though you can't see them, though you can't describe them, though you don't understand them. He's working things out behind the scenes for your good. He's setting some things up for you. This is going to blow your mind. I believe it today. Last week we looked at the first miracle in John's gospel. And we talked, about, uh, we talked about God's authority, right, at a molecular level. We said this, this was the main thought, that instead of, of solely seeking miracles and looking for the miraculous, why don't you just go ahead and seek Jesus? Because when you seek Jesus, everything else just kind of falls into place. Because when you get around Jesus, you get around miracles because that's who Jesus is and that's what Jesus does. And so today we're going to look at the, the second miracle recorded in John's Gospel If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn with me. If you'd like to stand for the reading of the Word in honor of the Word of God. John chapter 4, starting with verse number 46. If you don't have it, you're welcome to follow along on our electronic Bible right up here. It would say this, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. 
And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. When did my son really get healed? And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house. God, I pray that your word would come alive this morning, that it would jump off the pages of your word, Lord, and that it would transform our lives. We need you. We're nothing without you, and we're open to whatever you want to do in us today. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. So Jesus came again to Cana. Did you catch that? At the very beginning of our passage today, the Bible says that Jesus went again to the place of his first miracle. And as we really launch into what we're going to talk about this morning, I just want to let somebody know today that there are times in your life, there's times in my life when we need to revisit the place that the first miracle has taken place for us. There's moments in life when it's time for us to go back and revisit Cana. There's times in our lives when we need to make our way back to the first open door that you never dreamed would ever open in your life. There's there's times in our lives, right, where we need to go back to the place and time where the bills got paid and you really in the natural can't explain how the bills got paid. We need to make our way from time to time back to the place where the doctor gave you one report, but then Jesus stepped in and gave you a second opinion. Sometimes it's okay to go back to the place of that first miracle in your life. Sometimes we got to get back to Cana. That's what Jesus did. After all, it's in the scripture. Sometimes it's necessary to get back to a place where we've experienced a miracle, where God has done something in your life that is undeniable. We've got to get back to a place where we can hit our knees and say, you know what, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me because it allows your spirit to be renewed and regenerated. It allows you to be energized 
spiritually once again when you you take your yourself back to that place after all if your name is Lazarus sir I, I I would think it would be incredible dear Lazarus for you to go back and put flowers on that grave if your name is is Paul you need to to get on that animal and you need to ride that road one more time where you were knocked off of your animal and God changed you and transformed you if your name is Peter Hey, Peter, why don't you jump in a boat, sir, and row right out there to the middle of the water where that one time, remember, you stepped out of the boat and you walked in faith. If you're Elijah, listen, you might want to make yourself, make your way back to Mount Carmel where that one time, remember when you defeated those 450 prophets. If you're Moses, you might want to make your way back to the the burning bush experience where that one time, you remember Moses when you stood on holy ground where everything changed and everything was different. And Jesus, if you're Jesus, you go back to Cana. And I understand, trust me, Jesus is in his own category here. He's he's in his his own book. But the facts are the facts. The first miracle happened in Cana, and it says, Jesus came again to Cana. And I don't believe in coincidence this morning. I believe in providence. There's a reason that he went back to the place of his first miracle. And if he did it, it's only necessary from time to time for you and I to make our way back to the place where he first touched us. And here's what I've learned in my short 33 years here on earth, that it's, it's almost impossible to deny the glory and the power of God when you are in a place where you can't deny the miracle that happened there. So you get back to that place and you're, you're going through a situation. It's hard to say, God, why won't you? Because you knew it just a few months ago or a few years ago that God did. They didn't drink all 757 bottles that we talked about last week when he turned the water into wine. You see, there were still bottles for sale on Amazon and on eBay. There was still the residual evidence of a miracle that happened there. Sometimes we've got to go back. To Cana, it increases your faith. It, it moves you from a posture of, God, why won't you? And I don't understand. And I'm frustrated to a place of, God, I remember when you did this for me. I remember. Oh, and now that I remember what you did, there's no question that you can do it again for me. Jesus came again to Cana. So, sir, man, where, where do you need to revisit? What are some things that he's done? Just start thinking about all the goodness that he's done. Who are the, where are the places that you might need to go back to? What do you need to believe God for again? Ooh, we're just getting started. Verse number 46 would say this, And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. 
Let me, let me give you a little backdrop here on, on this whole situation because in, in, the, in first century Israel, royal officials and itinerant Jewish rabbis ran in very, very different circles. They didn't follow each other on Twitter. They didn't friend each other on Facebook and like each other's pictures of what was happening. They didn't pin, post and pin on each other's walls. They didn't like each other's Instagram photos. So they didn't do this. In fact... They would have avoided each other at all costs. But desperate times (laughs) call for desperate measures. The child of this royal man, right? This this regal man was at death's door and, and the man began to knock, hoping and praying that the door of mercy may be opened in the life of his child. When your child is on their deathbed, right? You, you will move heaven and earth. Or you will humble yourself before the maker of heaven and earth. You will do anything that is possible. Because you know that your child needs a miracle. It doesn't matter if it's socially acceptable. You'll step out of the social norms. You'll do things that you've never done before. Because you know there's something in your life. That you need a miracle for. Isn't it interesting that children, though they are not angels, often can take us to a place that angels can't get us to. I wish I had a little more time to to talk about the way that the script flips here in, in this passage. Because if you think about it, right, who is the one that is supposed to have all of the authority? It's the royal official, the guy that has all the political power. But in this moment, he stops and he recognizes a greater authority. Did you know that there will be people in your life, there's going to be royal officials, so to speak, that are going to come knocking at your door from time to time in life. And you're going to be tempted to think that they have what you need. When all actuality, you have what they need. And it's the authority of God. It's a much greater authority than any man can give. And so today, this week, we need to walk into our our jobs with our head held high. Knowing that this this is God's authority. I can walk here knowing that I'm a child of God. We need to walk into our schools with our head held high. Knowing that the one that we're worshiping today has gone before you and will be with you every step of the way. If you're a child of God, that authority is yours and it's time that the church begin to function with the the power and the authority of God that is behind us. God is setting you up this morning. God's, God's in, the, in the background, though you may not know exactly what it is. He's, he's beginning to move things and shake things to set you up for some divine appointments. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, don't be surprised when you start seeing those royal officials start knocking at your door. Just remember, it's not necessarily what they have, but God's put something in you that they need. 
divine appointment. We see it happening here in verse number 47. When the man, the the scripture would say, this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea. And he went to him. And we read right past this, but this is, this is huge, okay? Cana was 20 miles from Capernaum as the, the crow flies. And Capernaum is 700 feet below sea level. So it, it's only natural to, to think that this was an uphill hike through some very rugged terrain. And here's what I want you to jot down if you're taking notes. Sometimes faith is measured in miles, I would suggest, right, that it took 20 miles of faith for him to experience this miracle. Let me show you what I mean. Paul Anderson was praying for a kidney transplant, not for himself, but for a friend's son. And the reason he was praying for this miracle was because God had revealed to him that he was the one that was supposed to donate the kidney. And so he started circling Baptist Hospital in Oklahoma City, and he circled it every day for 160 days. It's a one-lap mile, and he said that when he added it up, he had circled the hospital 350 times. That's 350 miles of faith. So let's take it a step further. I think you can measure this not just in miles, but you can measure it in hours and calories. So at an average rate of three miles per hour, Paul spent 116 hours circling Baptist Hospital. That's nearly five 24-hour days. So at an average burn rate, stay with me, I know I'm throwing out a bunch of numbers. At an average burn rate of 125 calories per hour... Paul burned 43,750 calories. Theoretically, uh, 3,500 calories, and you've just burned off a pound. So Paul burned 12 and a half pounds praying for this miracle. Need a weight loss plan. Get a miracle and get in shape all at the same time. And on June 17th, 2013, a miracle happened. Paul donated his kidney and the child's life was saved. And I would suggest to you this morning that it took 43,750 calories of faith. Now stay with me. Listen, I, I realize this is really dangerous ground. This is, this is crazy territory uh, because it's not about logging miles. It's not about tracking hours or counting calories. I understand that you can't earn a miracle any more than you can earn your salvation. Okay? It, it won't happen. You can't manipulate God. You can't manufacture a miracle. That's not how it works. But sometimes, here's what I believe, sometimes God wants to see if you are serious. Are you willing to walk to Cana? Are you willing to burn the calories to see what God can do? The Israelites had to circle Jericho seven times. Naaman had to dip in the Jordan seven times. Elijah had to pray seven times. I'm not saying that seven is the magic number, but sometimes you have to do the natural so that God can go ahead and move in the supernatural. Here's a good way to look at this. Pray like it depends on God. And work like it depends on you. You can't just pray like it depends on God. You've got to put forth some effort. 
Here's my point. Listen, effort, your effort won't make miracles happen, but your lack of effort can keep them from happening. If the royal official had stayed in Capernaum, he would have missed the miracle altogether. Because Jesus went back to Cana. Don't wait for a miracle to come to you. It's up to us to put ourselves in positions and postures of prayer. Places of prayer. Places of being in the word of God. To where miracles can begin to manifest themselves. Dallas Willard would say this grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, but effort is an action. You can't earn a miracle. But effort is part of the equation. You you may have to hike uphill for 20 miles, but that extra effort can sometimes be the catalyst for a miracle. Sometimes you might have to walk to Cana. Sometimes you may have to be willing to burn 43,750 calories. Sometimes you might have to circle something 350 times just to see what God will do. I want an A for effort. I want to work and act and put in the effort like I really believe that he can do it. If you believe it, are you willing to walk to Cana? The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. And this is where I think some of us find ourselves. See, he... The royal official can't separate Jesus' actual presence from his spoken word. So he says, Jesus, please come down at once before my, my child dies. He didn't understand that the word of the Lord can operate apart from his physical presence. That he could just speak a word and it could be done. That he didn't have to physically lay hands and raise the child up. But he could be in one town and Jesus could speak the word. And the power and the authority behind that would raise the child up. Come on, listen, I don't know what you've got today. I I don't know if you've got a word. I don't know if you have a promise. But if you do have a word, if that's all you have, is if all you have is a promise and a word, can I preach to you this morning? You've got enough. If you've got a word, if you've got a promise, he's going to go ahead and fulfill it. He's going to take care of you. Jesus replies, Go, your son will live. And the man took him at his word and departed. A lot of miracles start with a word. John, hey, you know what, by the way, it's hard to get a word if you don't know the word. Abide in me. And my words abide in you. You ask whatever you will and it shall be done. Randy, would you help me, sir? Abide in me and my words. (laughs) 
The man believed Jesus. At some point, we recognize that the man believed the words of Jesus. Evidently, when he said, your son will live, he took him at his word because he started going back to the place where his son lived. But what does he do? He eventually checks his sundial and says, hey, servants, what time did this happen? When exactly did the fever break for my child? Well, sir, it was, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, it was the seventh hour. Oh, just when Jesus said the words is what you're, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. He, he marked the moment. He stopped and he said, hey, listen, what time is it right now? When, when did I get this word? When did I get this promise? When did he say it was going to be done? Hang on, let me see. What time was it? The seventh hour. Okay, the seventh hour. I just want to make sure that, that I mark my moment here. Can I tell you, there's times, ma'am, there's times, sir, When all you have is a promise or a word from God. And here's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. When you get a promise or you get a word, mark the moment. Because the miracle is on the way. Don't forget to mark the moment. Because there's going to be times. And it won't be very long if you've lived enough life, you know. That it won't be long after this miracle that you're going to walk into something else. That you need God to do something miraculous again. And you're going to need something to look back on and say, you know what? This is the moment that I marked. This was the moment again that God provided for me. Would you stand with me? It was May... Of last year, 2015, Cassidy and I found out that we were pregnant with Ellery Joy Wilkinson. Another baby girl. Y'all pray, please pray for me. That's two girls. Woof. Pure excitement, right? Pure joy. Of course, that's what happens when when you're going to have another baby. Scared to death? Sure. Fast forward one month. So that was May. Now we're in June of 2015. Cassidy goes to the doctor to find out that there's some pretty serious complications with this pregnancy. And after losing, listen, this is not some, uh, I'm not, this is not a pity party, so please don't take that as this. But after losing a baby and you hear complications again, Your mind, or at least my mind, went to again, really, God? Okay. Really, I'm going to get my hopes up to only crush my dreams again? Why? I don't understand. Frustration, confusion, anxiety. Begin to wonder and question. You you play the what-if game in this moment. So fast forward another month, okay? So now we're in July of 2015 and we're preaching on miracles around here at Christian Life Church. We had a month-long stretch where we were literally seeing crazy miracles take place. Everything from financial miracles to the sick being healed to babies who 
I know this sounds outlandish, but they were dead in the womb only to see the heartbeat start beating again. Woo! And it was the week of the 17th, July 17th of that week. That was a Sunday. And I remember, choir, you prayed for my wife that week in choir practice. She and I had obviously been praying Pastor Johnson had been praying and had prayed for her. And I'm going to go ahead and just tell you the story, the outcome of the story. You know the outcome of the story. She goes back to the doctor and in essence the doctor says, listen, I don't know what you did. I don't know how you did it, but whatever it was that you did, it worked. And tomorrow, my little baby girl will be three months old and she's healthy. She's happy. Mama's good. But listen, that's not the reason I tell you the story. Here's why I tell you the story. It was, we got to rewind a week from the 17th. The week before, July 12th to be specific. And this doesn't happen to me all the time. I don't pretend to sound super spiritual because it doesn't happen to me all the time. But it happened to me on this day. It's clear as I'm standing here preaching to you, it happened to me. I was standing right here. Worship service was going on. And, and when you're going through something, you know, you're, you're just, it's heavy on you. And so uh, I'm just talking to God the whole time during the, during the worship set, saying, God, listen, I, you know, just weeping, just broken. And as, as clear as I've ever heard anything, here's what I hear. Son... She will be healed. She will be healed. That was the week before. Listen. And I, I didn't know. Like this, this doesn't happen to me all the time. So I was just, okay, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did what I knew to do in that moment. And I'm going to show you this because I think somebody might say, you know what, that's just a, a story to, to bring out emotionalism. That pro- I don't know if that really happened. But here's what I did standing right here on July 12th of 2015 when I heard the word of the Lord. This is a screenshot from my cell phone, my notes app. Throw it up here. I want to show you. 7-12-15, promise of healing, 12.03 p.m. Listen, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I hadn't seen the miracle take place. I didn't know when. I didn't know how. I knew God could. But I didn't know if it was going to be maybe a next child. I, I didn't have any clue. But that day, I said, God, you know what? I'm going to mark this moment because you have given me a promise. And if you've given me a promise, I know the miracle is not far behind. So I don't know, listen, I don't know what you came in here carrying today. I I don't know the situation of your heart. I don't know what you need today. I don't know how you got here. I don't know how you got invited here. Prayer partners, would you help me? But here's my question for you. I know... It was not by accident that you're in this house today. I don't believe in that. No, 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 no. I I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in providence. Could it be 
Could it be that today is the day that you say, you know what, this was the moment that changed everything for me. This was my seventh hour. This is the moment that I received a promise from God. And I knew from this moment forward that nothing would be the same again. I knew that my miracle was right behind the promise. You see, that was my seventh hour. Could today be yours? Because listen... There's going to be times when I, I'm going to go back to that notes section in my phone. Because <sighs> it won't be long. And I've already been there, in fact. Where I needed a little more encouragement to say, God, can you get me through one more time? And all I need to do is go pull up that app on my phone and look at that. And my faith is encouraged. I'm renewed. God, of course you can. What was I thinking? So if that's you today, listen, if you need something from God, if you need a touch from God today, if you need a promise from God, or maybe you've been holding on to a promise for a really long time and you're ready to see that promise fulfilled. Our prayer partners are here this morning. Why don't you begin to make your way from where you're standing? Come on, we want to pray with you. We want to believe God for your promise today, for your miracle today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Come on, don't hesitate. Come on, the presence of the Lord is in the house today. I believe He can do something for you. He did it for me. Why can't He do it for you? He's done it for others. Why can't He do it for you? Maybe today is the seventh hour for you. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.